offer a hearty welcome to everyone gathered here, especially those who are visiting with us and those uh, uh, attending via the live stream. We're so thankful to our Heavenly Father for providing for our congregation in this way uh, after three years of vacancy. We also give thanks with Bryce that the Lord has worked in him to this point in his life and for the wonderful gifts that God has given him. We pray that the Lord would bless us this evening and again bless Bryce as he takes up his formal work among us and in the days and weeks and years to come. Why don't we uh, begin by singing Trinity Psalter hymnal number 216. 216 Trinity Psalter hymnal. <laughs>
Heavenly Father, it is with thankful praise that we have come together this evening. This is such a joyful occasion, Lord. We may celebrate the ordination of Bryce Desward, the man of your choosing to serve as the minister of the word and sacraments for the Adoration Congregation. We pray, Lord, for your blessing on this service and indeed on the work of ministry to which you have called Brother Desword. We are mindful, Lord, of the words of the Apostle Paul, who, when reflecting on his calling as minister of the word, said, we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And that task, he then went on to say, is like having a treasure, be it in earthen jars, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Father, it's such an awesome responsibility to minister the word of life. We pray will you endow our pastor with wisdom and discernment that he may faithfully open the scriptures to us, your people, whom you have called to life in Jesus Christ. May we be fed the bread of life to the end that we may grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and may understand ever more fully how it is we are to serve you our Father and our God. There are so many forces at work, Lord, that seek to defy you. And it is so tempting for us, your people, to listen to and to follow the ways of the world. Will you enable our pastor to direct the Adoration Congregation to listen to and to respond in humble obedience to your word. To then we pray, will you bless his ministry? And to that end, will you now also bless the ministry of Reverend Zechfeld as he proclaims your word to us in this ordination service this evening. May that be unto blessing for all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We now join and sing together number 100B, Psalm 100. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. We sing the four stanzas of 100B.
Come. Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Congregation, on whom do you depend for help and strength? Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. Lift up your hearts and receive God's greeting. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing together 145C. I will extol you, O my God, and praise you, O my King. 145C. the Lord will bless the opening of his word. Let's seek his, his blessing. Heavenly Father, you've displayed your beauty and majesty, your grace and truth, your righteousness and mercy to us in Jesus Christ. Father, we praise you that in your holy word we read him. Christ crucified and risen from the dead for the salvation of sinners and for our purification and our glorification. We pray that you will show us your glory tonight in your word. By your spirit, make us hunger and thirst 
for truth. Use your word to equip our brother Bryce for his work, to equip the congregation for their task, to equip us all in the Lord's name to be your faithful servants. Father, we ask for your presence and for your help and your blessing this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. you turn with me in your Bibles, we'll read 1 Kings 10. 1 Kings 10, the visit of the Queen of Sheba to Jerusalem, to Solomon, after building the palace, building the temple, and instituting worship in the temple, bringing the sacrifices and praying for God's blessing, we have the Queen of Sheba coming to visit Solomon. 1 Kings 10, we'll read verses 1 through 13. Now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. And she said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men, happy are your servants, who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a very great amount of almagwood and precious stones. And the king made of the almagwood Almagwood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such Almagwood has come or been seen to this day. And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked, besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. God's word, may he 
Bless this to our hearts and lives. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I remember with fondness Bryce's service in Strathroy two years ago as a seminarian. Bryce, your love for the Lord and uh, your commitment to his word, to Christ-centered preaching, to the flock of God, the extension of the kingdom, covenant theology. Uh, we were so thankful for that, and your congregation will be greatly blessed by that. And also, if you've not gotten to know Bryce very well yet, you will soon discover that he is not shy. He loves to talk. So make sure that you get to know him well enough that you get him to talk. One of the blessings of having Bryce in our midst was that he worked through the reign of Solomon in 1 Kings. I, I hope you remember that. And one of the things I remember, especially is when we got to discuss 1 Kings 10 together and the visit of the Queen of Sheba to Solomon and uh, how we discuss titles like um, he took her breath away or he takes your breath away. I think you ended up speaking about the uh, breathtaking um, beauty of the king or something like that. But um, I, I'm just going to take your sermon and give it back to us tonight. I don't know if that's often done at ordinations. Uh, I didn't check closely. I hope there's not too much plagiarism but uh, I trust that this word from 1 Kings 10 will give you much delight in the ministry of the word, dear brother, and your congregation much delight in hearing the ministry of the word as the ministry of Christ, who is wisdom from God, is breathtaking in its glory, wisdom, its breadth, its depth, God's king here in this chapter overwhelms the queen of Sheba with his sheer beauty, glory, wisdom, and wealth. May you be given grace to minister that word, that Christ of breathtaking beauty and wisdom, and your congregation also be blessed to hear that, to receive that, like the queen of Sheba did. We want to look at two things, how... She came and saw how beautiful is he. She came and saw how beautiful is he. And then secondly, she came and saw how blessed are we. How beautiful is he. How blessed are we. You must understand, of course, congregation, this passage is not really about King Solomon, but about King Solomon as a type and prophecy of King Jesus. He's the anointed one on Jesus' throne. And he's a prophecy of the Christ who is to come one day in the flesh and be seated upon the throne as he is today. Crucified, risen from the dead, reigning, ruling over the nations and gathering his people to himself. Indeed, happy. Happy is the people who have him as their king. Jesus called himself something greater than Solomon. 
in Matthew 12 when his own people were rejecting his wisdom and the Pharisees declared Jesus to be a tool of Beelzebub, a tool of Satan. You remember how Jesus told Israel, the queen of Sheba will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. First she came. She came. Look at verses 1 and 2. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. She came from a long ways away. From the ends of the earth, Jesus said. From Sheba, most likely southern Arabia or Yemen, about a thousand miles away, coming on camels. No small journey. And no small journey for a head of state in those days. And she came because she heard of Solomon's fame. But notice, much more than that, she heard of Solomon's fame concerning the name, the name of the Lord. And that's what attracted her to come and hear him. Because of all the wise men of the East, she saw in this man divine wisdom. Something different, something unique. She came. If you look a little bit further in chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, it explains, Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. That's why he was famous because of the name of the Lord that was with him and in him, giving him an uncommon wisdom vastly superior to everyone else. And that tells us, dear brother Bryce and dear congregation, what we have as the people of God and what kind of ministry we have, the ministry of the name of the Lord, the name excel, that excels every other name, that is found anywhere in history and anywhere in the world. That only name under heaven given to men whereby we are saved. It's the good news of the, the Lord, the covenant God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The great I Am who comes down. He came down to Israel to rescue them from slavery in Egypt, finally came down in the Lord Jesus. He's the God who comes down in human flesh to redeem us and bring us into communion with God. There's no other name like that. There's no other ministry like the Christian ministry. No other message congregation that you could ever receive that's in this league, in this category, 
the name of the Lord, of which Solomon was a prophecy and a type. And that name is not only light for the church, for us, but light for the whole world, for all the nations. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. And of course, they go together. Because Jesus shines this divine, supernatural light. He is this light. He has chosen us to be his representatives, to shine him, his light, as his weak servants throughout the world. So, Lord, the Lord is pleased to make a name for himself through you. Through you and through the people who receive that message. She came not because she was curious, as many think. She came because she was needy. She was thirsty. She was confused. She was troubled. She was lost. She saw his star from afar and came to see this great king who had God's name in him. And that's why it says in verse 3 that when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind and the word is heart. All that was on her heart. Her heart was pressed with troubles. She needed. She needed the name of the Lord. And we see secondly, she came and she heard. She came and she heard. We read in verse 3, Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. Verse 1 says she came to test him with hard questions. That word is riddles, dark sayings, hidden things, problems, issues, worries, fears, questions that pressed on her heart deeply and she needed answers. And she was not satisfied with the answers of others. For all she had as queen, all her wealth and power and conveniences and creature comforts, she did not have answers. She didn't have the light. And Solomon shone upon her life, upon her heart issues, the wisdom God gave him. You look back in 1 Kings 4, verses 29 to 34, it says God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite, and Heman, and Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees, from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts, and of birds, and of reptiles, and of fish. And then we read, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. She came and she heard. And that's truly the spirit of Christ living in Solomon. Jesus 
is God's wisdom for the whole world. Colossians 2 says that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, we preach Christ crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Really want to know the wisdom of God. It's in the Son of God become flesh, crucified for our sin and raised again from the dead. It's really the wisdom where the book of Ecclesiastes pushes us. When it keeps running into the wall of death. Death that makes life meaningless. Pushing us to the only wisdom there is to get us beyond that. Resurrection. Death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, dear brother, as Solomon, with the Spirit of Christ in him, could answer all her deepest issues, the Christian minister has all the answers to the deepest questions of life. Jesus' death for sin, his resurrection to life, carries in it the answers to evil, to pain, to suffering, to anger, to sorrow, to abuse, to injustice, to sin, to death, to all the quest for meaning and purpose. He's the hope of all the world. And even though Christ had not yet come, the queen could hear in Solomon's answers to her questions, there was wisdom from above that was the solution that she needed, the key to all her needs, the fulfillment of life's true meaning. Solomon's Lord... The name of the Lord is a place to find life. So she came from the uttermost parts of the earth. She heard, and then she saw. Look at verses 4 and 5. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She fainted. He took her breath away with all the breadth of wisdom that was in him. That was Solomon's wisdom in the Lord. Wisdom not only as a matter of words answering her questions, but a matter of works. Showing her the political structure, the administrative structure, the economic structure, his own palace, his architecture and art, and finally, the spiritual character of Israel with the temple of the Lord and the offering of burnt offerings to him. And when she saw those offerings, there was no more breath. In her. All of 1 Kings up to this chapter is building up piece after piece the wisdom of Jesus in, in Solomon's reign. And finally, after the last piece is in place, there's the holy tour by a pagan queen of everything. All to the glory, not of Solomon 
to Solomon's God, as she'll say later, blessed be your God. It took her breath away. And brothers and sisters, notice what finally took her breath away and made her faint. Verse 5, the offerings, the burnt offerings that she offered at the house of the Lord. What would be her deepest question? How do I get rid of my sin and guilt? How do I become right with God? How can I find peace with God? How can I live with God? How can I have life forever? How can I destroy death? How can I escape judgment? And in Solomon's explanation of the offering, this was it. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There's no other name, there's no other place, there's no other person where this can be found in all the world and in all the history than in the name of the Lord. It was foreshadowed in Solomon, seen in the offerings, but fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh to die on the cross. He offered his life as a sin offering so we might be forgiven We might become righteous in God's sight through faith in Jesus. We might have eternal life. That's the only wisdom in all the world that answers. Answers the deepest questions of life. There's no other name, no other place. Jerusalem, now the heavenly Jerusalem. And Jesus Christ who speaks from heaven through us. Brother Again, you have the only gospel. It takes the breath away and stuns us with amazement when we as sinners come before God and see what Christ has done for us. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And congregation... Jesus says to us that the queen of Sheba would travel from the ends of the earth to hear this message. Why are we so often not excited and not amazed? That was his judgment upon the people in that day. Jesus is God's inexpressible gift. 2 Corinthians 9. 1 Peter 1, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. He's the wisdom that truly out of this world. That having your breath take away can be read in two ways in the Bible. On the one hand, it's the fainting of amazement. As when Jesus spoke like no one had ever spoken. And they were amazed at the authority with which he spoke and the message he brought. So there's the fainting of amazement, but there's also the fainting of cutting down of pride. We, we read that use of the, of the language in Joshua 5, verse 1, when, when the peoples around Israel saw how God had led his people through the Jordan River to the other side, there was no more spirit left in them. There was no more breath left in them. All their plans against God at that moment, 
all their pride and opposition failed, fell flat. And so also with her. It humbles us to meet such a God. The gospel is heavenly, the heavenly weapon given to us that is divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Well, secondly, the queen came and not only saw how beautiful is he, but how blessed are we. Look at verse 6 and following. She said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpass the report that I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. In the first half of the passage, the queen receives the revelation of God, God's messianic king. She takes in the wisdom and the glory and and the justice and the beauty, the happiness, the love, the excellency of his reign, and it took her breath away. And in the second half, she responds to that wisdom and glory and beauty and justice that she saw in the king. She has met the Lord Jesus Christ. She has seen his reign from afar off through Solomon. And she is filled with praise. I wouldn't believe the reports until I saw it. And now that I see it, I realize the reports weren't half as good as the true glory of the king and his reign. And so again, she gives a threefold response. First, your people are happy. Her first words of praise. Your people are happy. Happy are the people who get to live under this wise and good king. That takes us back to 1 Kings 4, 24 and 25. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. Solomon had peace on all sides around him. Judah and Israel lived in safety from Dan even to Beersheba, every man under his vine and under his fig tree all the days of Solomon. And how much happier are the people who get to live under the reign of the greater than Solomon? Under the ministry of good news of righteousness and peace get to live under the ministry of forgiveness of sins, of justification in Jesus, of the power to pick us up when we fall, the power to strengthen us to walk in his ways. How happy are those who get to live under the distribution, the administration of Christ, the distribution of gifts in the body of Christ, so that we can rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. How happy are those who get to live under the king who gives you life and gives it to you abundantly. Who get to live with the shepherd under whom you lack nothing. 
Christians are truly the happiest, richest, most satisfied people in all the world because they live under a God who is full of goodness and mercy. Dear Brother Bryce, let this happiness of the people of God under the ministry of Christ drive you to proclaim him. Here's the great blessing, isn't it, of ministry in our time. Though we may be in the valley of the shadow of death, he's with us. That's our happiness. It's not the happiness of saying, I'll give you a trouble-free, problem-free life. I'll bring you a Christ who makes you rich even when you're poor, who fills you with everything when you have nothing, who gives you peace when there's so much pain. It's great happiness that we get to bring to the people of God through the Lord Jesus Christ the true happiness of joy in the Lord. Let the Queen remind you, dear brother and congregation, to rejoice in the Lord always. We really have it good under the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we forget the supreme happiness of knowing Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, and we let ourselves become bored and sour and quarrelsome and petty. Pastors can become that way. Congregations can become that way. Happy are you. Happy are you to be under the ministry of Jesus Christ through the servant he has put in your midst to proclaim the unsearchable riches Christ. Her first response, your people are happy, Solomon. Her second response, your God loves you so much, Israel, as to give you such a great and wise king. God be blessed for delighting in this king and putting him on the throne. And much more so, We bless God for delighting in Christ, Isaiah 42. Behold my servant, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. God says of his king, the Lord Jesus, of his son. And then when he came to earth, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now think of that. Jesus is so delightful to God because of his perfect glory and wisdom and righteousness. And then he takes the object of his delight, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he makes him your king. He gives him to us to be our king. What love of God that he would give us his son, Jesus Christ, to be our king. And that's what she says to Israel. How much the Lord must love you, dear church, to give you such a king. And I'm going to add to that How much the Lord must love you, dear adoration, to give you a messenger of the king, just a jar of clay, but the treasure 
the unspeakable Christ, whose death for sin, whose resurrection to new life is the answer to everything, every need in your life, and for all the nations. How loved are we as pastors to be called to represent him, and how loved are we as people to receive his ministry? Sometimes we feel unloved. But then let's always go back to the truth that the queen saw and heard, that we are the people specially chosen and loved by God to be given such a Savior and King to rule our lives and to lead us to eternal glory. And the third thing is this, she honored him with gifts. Verse 10, she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon, not to repay him for his wisdom, but to honor his greatness and to thank him for all he had done for her. Her life would never be the same after meeting God's anointed. And it's the same way when we get to hear about the greater than Solomon when we get to hear his voice speaking to us through his servant, through his under-shepherd, and be saved by him, and be changed by him, be transformed and sanctified by him, and be made rich through him, to give our lives to him who gave his life for us, and to show his worthiness and the value of his great kingdom by offering ourselves up for him as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. He took her breath away, not because of who he was in himself as a man, but because the name of the Lord was in him. The Lord Jesus Christ lived in Solomon. She meant God. Now, I hate to say it, but this is the top of the mountain for Solomon's reign and the next chapter. It's all gone. Chapter 11 is Solomon's distraction, degradation, and death. What a huge disappointment. And just a few closing notes when we reflect on that. There's a strong warning to us here as pastors. We're not the Christ. An unfaithfulness lives in our hearts, and we need to take heed to ourselves lest we fall away from Christ and are no longer a light to the nations. And a note to consistories and congregations to guard your pastor through your prayers, your encouragement, your fellowship. And when necessary, brotherly admonitions. Take this brother into your hearts, your homes, your lives. Be a friend to him. But there's also strong encouragement to look past Solomon and to look past the man to the Christ. 
Don't look for the man to amaze you because he'll disappoint you. But listen for the Christ in his preaching and in his ministry. And focus on the Lord Jesus and you'll continually have your breath taken away by the depth of the wisdom or the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll grow and grow and grow in the Lord Jesus. Jesus will keep taking your breath away as you focus on him in the ministry of the word. It's a strong encouragement also for pastors when we see Solomon's fall. To look for our strength in Jesus. In Solomon's strength, we can shine just for a little while, but in Jesus' strength, we'll shine the light for a lifelong ministry. Let's keep looking to Jesus for our strength, for our own amazement. That we may be constantly amazed at the Lord Jesus Christ as we study the scriptures and have our breath taken away. Cut down in our pride. Lifted up by his greatness. That we might come, keep coming to him to hear him and see his glory. Do we want the queen of Sheba to point her finger at us on the day of judgment and condemn us? Because we who live so close to Jesus aren't interested in him. And don't hunger and thirst for wisdom in him who was crucified and raised for us. But instead, let's learn from her how to come and hear and be amazed. There's always more beauty in Jesus, more depth in his love. To be amazed day in day out. May God bless us through his Christ, both as pastor and congregation, to be a light to the nations. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You are the light of the world. Thank you for sending your Son to be that light in our world, shining in the darkness. We praise you, Heavenly Father, that through him the nations come to your light. Help the pastor shine that light of the gospel through his ministry. The congregation to receive that ministry so that they might shine to their neighbors, to the ends of the earth as the light of the world. We pray, Heavenly Father, that the glory of Christ might constantly amaze us, but also answer our questions, our issues, our needs, and that he might be for us hope. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Well, let's sing together. 45B, my heart does overflow. 45B, we'll stand to sing.
read together the form for ordination of the minister of the word and sacraments. Congregation of Jesus Christ, the council has made known to you the name of our brother Bryce Desort who is now to be ordained to the ministry of the word and sacraments. The Holy Scriptures teach us that Christ Jesus gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a church out of the corrupt race of men for life eternal and gives to his church such teaching and care that she may grow in faith, love, and service. For this work, Christ, by a particular grace, uses men pointing them to the preaching of the gospel and for the building up of his body. The Apostle Paul solemnly charged Timothy to preach the word. And our Lord Jesus charged his disciples to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The Apostle Paul declares that the Lord Jesus Christ has given the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. For this reason, the church has recognized the distinct office of the minister of the word. The minister of the word is called by the command of God to preach the gospel of his kingdom. This preaching has the twofold object of calling sinners to reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ and nurturing believers in the faith and life of the kingdom of God. Ministers are called ambassadors for Christ, as though he were pleading by them, be reconciled to God. Therefore, this preaching must be addressed to all people. The preaching of the gospel must especially be addressed to the gathered congregation for the nurturing of Christian faith and life and for strengthening them against all error. Paul charged Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And he charged Titus that a minister must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. The minister of the word is called to administer the sacraments which the Lord has instituted as signs and seals of his grace. Christ gave this charge to his apostles and through them to all ministers of the word when he commanded them to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when he said of the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. The minister of the word is called to the service of prayer. And speaking of their calling, the apostles say, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So, too, it is the calling of all God's ministers to lead the people of God in supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions. The minister of the word is called together with the elders to shepherd the people of God in their Christian life, giving guidance and counsel in all that they need, exhorting them to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints and keeping the church of God in good order and discipline. 
They are pastors appointed to shepherd the church of Christ, which he purchased with his own blood in keeping with the Lord's command, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. They, together with the elders, watch over the house of God for the right and fruitful ordering of the faith and life and worship of the people of God. In their exercise of the keys of the kingdom, what they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and what they loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We now proceed to ordain Brother Bryce Deswart as a minister of the Word and Sacraments in this congregation, Adoration United Reformed Church. We rejoice that the Lord Jesus in his faithful love has provided a minister to serve as pastor and teacher to this people and also as their leader in the missionary calling of this church. We receive this servant of our Lord Jesus from the hand and heart of the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We are grateful that our Savior has committed preaching, teaching, and pastoral care to the office of the minister of the word and that he will continue to use sinful men for such high and holy purposes until the day of his return. No one is able to fulfill this holy ministry in his own strength. Therefore, we set our hope on Jesus Christ, our Lord, who said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, in order that it may appear that you, Brother Deswart, are willing to accept this office, you're requested to stand. And in the presence of God and his church, to give your answer to the following question. Do you believe that in the call of this congregation you are called by God himself to this holy ministry? Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? And do you reject every doctrine in conflict with them? Third, dear brother, do you promise to discharge the duties of your office faithfully to conduct yourself worthily of this calling and to submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church. Brother, how do you answer? I do so believe in promise. I invite the brother to come forward to read the form of description and, and have you sign to indicate your readiness to defend the truth of God's word and to uh, oppose all that contradicts it. form of subscription. I, the undersigned minister of the gospel of the United Reformed Congregation of Adoration in Vineland of the classes of Ontario East, do hereby sincerely and in good conscience before the Lord, declare by this my subscription that I heartily believe and am persuaded that all the articles and points of doctrine contained in the Belgic Confession and the Heidelberg Catechism of the Reformed Churches together with the explanation of some points of the aforesaid doctrine made by the National Synod of Dortrecht, 1618 to 1619, do fully agree with the word of God. I promise, therefore, diligently to teach and faithfully to defend the aforesaid doctrine, 
without either directly or indirectly contradicting the same by my public preaching, teaching, or writing. I declare, moreover, that I not only reject all errors that militate against this doctrine, and particularly those that were condemned by the above-mentioned synod, but also am disposed to refute and contradict them, and to exert myself in keeping the Church free from such errors. And if hereafter any difficulties or different sentiments respecting the aforesaid doctrine should arise in my mind, I promise that I will neither publicly nor privately propose or defend the same, either by preaching, teaching, or writing, until I have first revealed such sentiments to the consistory, classis, or synod, that the same may there be examined, being ready always cheerfully to submit to the judgment of the consistory, classis, or synod, under the penalty, in case of refusal, of being by that very fact suspended from my office. And further, if at any time the consistory, classis, or synod, upon sufficient grounds of suspicion, and to preserve the uniformity and purity of doctrine, may deem it proper to require of me a further explanation of my sentiments respecting any particular article of the Confession of Faith, the Catechism, or the explanation of the National Synod, I do hereby promise to be always willing and ready to comply with such requisition under the above-mentioned penalty. Reserving for myself, however, the right of appeal, in case I should believe myself aggrieved by the sentence of the consistory or the classis. And until a decision is made upon such an appeal, I will acquiesce in the determination and judgment already passed. blessing of the Lord that rests upon you and will go with you as you seek him. Dear brethren, I invite the uh, elders of adoration to come forward and all the URC ministers who are present here, ministers of the United Reformed Churches, to come forward for the laying on of hands. May God, our Heavenly Father, who called you to this holy office, enlighten you with his spirit, strengthen you with his hand, and so govern you in your ministry that you may be engaged in it faithfully and fruitfully to the glory of his name and to the coming of the kingdom of his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. ask the congregation, the adoration congregation, the members to stand.
Dear people of God and members of this church, since this solemn act involves obligations also in your part, I ask you before God, do you in the name of the Lord welcome this brother as your pastor? Do you promise to receive the word of God proclaimed by him and to encourage him in the discharge of his duty? Will you pray that he may, in the power of the Spirit, equip you in the work of advancing God's kingdom for the honor of Christ our Lord, the building up of his church, and the salvation of men? Congregation, to these questions, what is your answer? We do. God helping us. You may be seated. Invite Brother Swale to come forward. Well, having heard both uh, Reverend Desward and you, the members of Adoration, make those vows, I'd like to now address you both from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's in the handouts before you. You can follow along with your Bibles if you'd like. Uh, Brother Desward and I, about a year ago, both had the privilege of being assigned this passage for our candidacy exam, and I think it's worth reflecting on a bit tonight, both for the congregation, and also for your new pastor. As this passage reorients our view of ministerial success, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 11 all the way through chapter 6, verse 2. Paul says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, 
on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I don't think it's an understatement to say that we live in a world that is obsessed with the outwardly attractive, where we ascribe importance to those who meet a, a certain worldly standard of, of power and beauty, and we obsess over them. That's certainly true in the, the grocery store checkout aisles or on social media, but it's also crept into the church with our obsession with celebrity pastors and outward gifts the fleshly criteria by which the world renders its judgments has in many ways crept into the church. And we see in this passage before us that this has been the case even since Paul's day. It is a temptation both for shepherd and for sheep, but Paul tells us that we must resist this fleshly impulse to clamor over the gifts of men. For it is not consistent with the gospel message, Paul makes clear in these verses here that Christ's death and resurrection demand a new way of measuring ministerial success. And so I'd like to just very briefly expound that point and then make a few points of application, uh, both for you, the members of Adoration, and then for your new pastor. Now Paul says here in verse 16, from now on, We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. You see, Paul, in his pre-conversion days, had dismissed the crucified and despised Messiah because of his weakness. He had regarded him according to the flesh, just as his critics now regard him according to the flesh. That's the point of verse 12. There are those in in Corinth who boast about outward appearance. Literally, they boast in face. And they criticize Paul because he doesn't meet their standard of, of outward beauty and earthly esteem. But Paul says that it is not the applause of men that controls him. It is the fear of God and the love of Christ. The love of Christ compels him. And that love of Christ that's mentioned in verse 14, Bryce, you may or may not remember this from last semester, but that is, according to Daniel Wallace, a plenary genitive, meaning that that which controls him is both Christ's love for him and his love for Christ in return. And the love of Christ is demonstrated for him, verse 14, in his death for all. Paul is driven by the love of Christ demonstrated in his death on the cross. And then verse 15, he speaks of the resurrection. 
Which is the reason why he then goes on to say, Therefore, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. For if anyone is in Christ, new creation, the old has gone, behold, the new has come. Christ's resurrection has ushered us in to the new age. G.K. Bill says Christ's death and resurrection are the end-time turning point from the old age to the new. And in that new age, there is a new way of measuring ministerial success. It is not based on rhetorical gifts. It is not based on the size of one's audience, the, the size of their honorarium, the number of sermon audio downloads. These are the sorts of things by which Paul's critics measure ministerial success. But Paul says in the new age which Christ's death and resurrection have, have ushered us into, we have died to that fleshly way of thinking. That's Paul's point when he says, therefore, all have died. We have died to the fleshly way of evaluating things. For we are part of the new creation in the resurrected Christ, and therefore we evaluate things by the standards of the new age. And so Paul then goes on to, to plead with the Corinthians to be reconciled to him. And, and the way in which he is calling them to be reconciled to him is by adopting this new creational perspective. That's why in verse 21 he, he points them to the weakness of a crucified Messiah who became for them a curse. And that most famous verse 21, for our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah 53 is in the background of that statement. And Paul is saying, look at this one who had no beauty, who, who was despised and rejected, who became for you a curse. That's my model for ministry. He quotes again in chapter 6, verse 2, from another servant song, Isaiah 49, where, where in the verse prior to the one that is quoted, uh, the servant is referred to as one deeply despised and abhorred. Paul is bringing us into the world of the suffering servant of Isaiah to underscore the fact that his ambassadors must expect the same that heralds of a crucified king must likewise expect hardship. That's why he'll go on in chapter 6, verses 4 through 10, to speak of afflictions, hardships, sleepless nights, slander, dishonor, sorrow, poverty. Paul is saying the gospel message is embodied in his own office as a humiliated and despised herald. He is a servant of the suffering servant, and he knows that those who would proclaim the gospel message of this suffering servant must suffer in solidarity with him. And that is the paradoxical means by which his good news goes forth into the world. Not through outward beauty, not through power, not through wealth, not through rhetorical gifts, but through weakness, for that is the gospel message. 
And so what that means for you, beloved saints of adoration, is that your expectations for your new pastor are not based on worldly standards. And whether he should please you with his gifts and appearance or not, that's not what matters. You do not boast in face, verse 12, but what's in the heart. You don't boast in gifts and accomplishments and distinctions and degrees. You don't boast in your pastor because he is more learned or more eloquent or more naturally capable than others, though he may be. But your boast is in what he is in heart. And what he is before God at 7 a.m. as he prays for you in his study. You do not measure ministerial success by the same yardstick that the world uses. And Brother Bryce, what that means for you is that your ministry is characterized by self-forgetfulness. You see that in verse 13, Paul says, if we are beside ourselves, meaning when, when Paul is having those ecstatic experiences like, like speaking in tongues or, or those heavenly visions, that is not for the purpose of gaining the praise of men, it is for God. That's to be the kind of self-forgetfulness that your ministry is characterized by, not parading your gifts or your piety for public display, but your controlling motive is to be the fear of God and the love of Christ. Both Christ's love for you and your love for him in return, which so moves you to be willing to suffer in the service of of the suffering servant, to, to be so willing to be separated from family that, that even your family is not able to be here today. This is in some ways appropriate as you begin a, a lifetime of ministry, which is a denial of self where, where Christ in Matthew 10, as he's uh, ordaining his disciples unto gospel ministry, even tells them that they must love him more even than mother or father. It is the love of Christ that compels you to do that. It is the, the love of Christ that compels you to be willing to engage in a ministry of reconciliation that is patterned after the one who reconciled us by his blood. That you are, are willing, as, as he goes on to say in chapter 6, to endure shame and dishonor and criticism, that you're willing to endure sleepless nights, hardships, imprisonment, that's what Paul is saying. These things are more the measure of a minister than what he is on Twitter. And so 2 Corinthians chapters 5 and 6 give you something of a job description. And 2 Corinthians 5 and 6 also give you, saints of adoration, something of a job description. That, that you are not to, to boast in your minister for what he is in face, but for what he is in heart. That you are not to reject Christ's ambassador because rejecting him on the basis of the worldly standards is tantamount to rejecting Christ himself. That's why Paul says be reconciled to God. Because they were rejecting him on the basis of these worldly standards and the rejection of Christ's ambassador was in fact a rejection of him. Be reconciled to God. For the new creation has dawned in Christ's death and in Christ's resurrection and has brought a new way of measuring ministerial 
success. Paul is calling us to recognize the suffering character of Christ and the suffering character of his new creation servants, the, the suffering character of gospel ministry. And he's calling his people not to despise his servants for their weakness, but to receive them as Christ himself. Amen. Let's turn to the form now, which you have printed in front of you. As we read the charge, both to Reverend Deswart and also to you saints of adoration. Beloved brother and fellow servant in Christ, take heed to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you a guardian to feed the church of the Lord which he obtained with his own blood. Love Christ and feed his sheep. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, and not domineering over those in your charge, but humbly serving all. Set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Attend to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have. Take heed to your teaching. Be patient in all trials. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will obtain the unfading crown of glory. And you, beloved Christians, receive your minister in the Lord with all joy. And hold him in honor. Remember that through him, God himself speaks to you. Receive the word that he, according to the scripture, shall preach to you, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Let the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and to bring the good news be beautiful and pleasant to you. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. If you do these things, the God of peace shall enter your homes. You who receive this man in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and through faith in Jesus Christ, the inheritance of eternal life. No man is sufficient for these things, so let us call upon the name of God. Merciful Father, we're so thankful that it pleases you by the ministry of men to gather your church out of the lost human race to eternal life. We acknowledge the gift of this, your servant, sent to this people as a messenger of your peace. Send now the Holy Spirit upon him. Enlighten his mind to know the truth of your word. Give him, we pray, the ability to to make known the mystery of the gospel with boldness. 
Grant him the wisdom to care for and guide the people over whom he has placed. Through his ministry, we pray that you would build up your church. That you would grant her increase in both number and in virtue. Give your servant courage through your Holy Spirit to fulfill his calling against every difficulty. And to be steadfast until the end. We pray that this people will receive him as having been sent by you. May they receive his teaching and exhortation with all reverence, and believing in Christ through his word, become partakers of eternal life. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for the sake of your dear Son, in whom we pray together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory Let's stand to sing together number 404 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal, The Church's One Foundation. We'll stand to sing stanzas 1, 2, 5, and 6.
of Christ, lift up your hearts to God and receive his benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Brothers and sisters and Brother Desward, what a great uh, evening this has been. An opportunity to see God's hand, God's faithfulness to us as people and to our brother as well. We thank and praise the Lord for this and uh, we certainly wish you, brother, all the best. It is my uh, honor uh, on behalf of Council and the Consistory and of uh, now your church adoration to welcome you and to embrace you as our under-shepherd, as our minister, and we look forward to serving with you uh, as we minister amongst one another uh, in the congregation as well, and also in the community where uh, the Lord has placed us as a, as a congregation to uh, be that light on a hill to those around us. And we look forward to serving with you. And to uh, my brothers and sisters in adoration, uh, I want to remind you as well the commitments that we also made tonight to uh, uphold our brother, both in our prayers and our words and our encouragement. So certainly welcome you and uh, certainly praise the Lord at this time. Uh, we do have opportunity now this evening to uh, hear greetings uh, as we've received a, a few uh, via email and I'll read some of those. Also I understand there may be others uh, in our midst that may bring uh, some greetings from some of the churches uh, so I look forward to that as well and we'll give opportunity for that as well at this time. So if I could I'll just uh, read a couple of the greetings if, uh, that we've received from a few other uh, churches. Um, I'll read first from uh, the Salem URC. Uh, greetings, brothers. The Council of Salem URC in Bowmanville wishes to pass on the following greetings on the occasion of the ordination of Pastor Bryce Desward. Greetings in the name of our great Redeemer. It is with great joy and thanksgiving to the Lord that you sent out the announcement of the ordination service of your new pastor. It is with equal joy and thanksgiving to our God that we respond to your invitation. It is certainly by grace and undeserved goodness of our Heavenly Father that he has provided you with a shepherd to lead his flock. May he reflect the chief steward, sorry, reflect the chief shepherd in his work among you 
and may you reflect as God's people a gracious and humble attitude toward him, providing, encouraging, and seeking his well-being spiritually and physically. Carry your pastor on the wings of prayers so that you may together may increase in the grace and knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. 1 Peter 5, verse 4. And then also from the Vineland Free Reformed Church, Dear Council and Congregation of Adoration United Reformed Church of Vineland, we greet you in the name of the King of the Church, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we wish to congratulate you on the ordination and installation of your new pastor, Reverend Bryce Deswart. We rejoice with you at this gracious providence of the Lord that he has seen fit to give you a new pastor and teacher to serve you and to minister among you. We pray that he comes to you in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ, and that among you too, sinners are humbled and converted, and all God's people increase and grow up in Jesus Christ. Pastor Deswart, welcome to Vineland. May the Lord richly bless you in your life and work. May the Lord give you much joy in your service, helping you to be faithful and fruitful for him. Warm regards from your near neighbors on the west end of Vineland. And then from the uh, Bethel United Reformed Church in Brockville uh, to the Council and Congregation of Adoration URC of Vineland. Greetings in the name of our risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ. On behalf of the Brockville Council and Congregation, we wish to extend our hearty congratulations on this wonderful and blessed occasion of the ordination and installation of your new pastor, Bryce Deswart. We rejoice in the way the Lord has answered your prayers and given you the desire of your heart for a humble and faithful under-shepherd. May God enrich your lives in the years ahead as you serve him together. And lastly, from the uh, Hope Reformed Church in Brampton, to Pastor Bryce Deswart and the Council and Congregation of Adoration URC in Vineland, dear brother and brothers and sisters in the Lord, greetings in the name of our faithful Savior, King over the nations and lover of his church. Regrettably, due to previous commitments here at Hope Church in Brampton, we are not able to be physically present for the blessed occasion of your ordination into the ministry of the word and sacraments. Please know that we are thinking about you and praying, you all, praying for you all, as finally you can rejoice together in God's wondrous grace to you. We praise God with you, Pastor Deswart, for the gift of ordination, the Lord's gracious confirmation of your heart's desire, and his blessing upon your diligent preparation. We trust you will be greatly encouraged to know that in both solid joys and in serious challenges, God's grace will be sufficient for you and Christ will build his church. Serve him with joy and humble boldness in the power of the gospel, the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. We are weak, but he is strong. To the brothers and sisters of adoration, we rejoice with you in the Lord's kind and gracious provision of Pastor Deswart as your new under-shepherd. Love him, pray for him, encourage him, and work diligently alongside him as the joyful recipients together of God's gospel of grace and as ambassadors together of God's message of hope and reconciliation in Jesus. We hope that you have all waited a long, sorry, we know that you have all waited a long time together for this day. The days in which we live have added their own special challenges to your beginning together. Even this day has not come about in the way you might have planned. May all of this serve to continue to convict you, you and all of us more and more of, sort of the utter dependence on God and his grace 
of the world's need for the hope that we have been given, of the urgency of the church's life and witness, and of the power of the gospel of Christ to save sinners. Praying for God's richest blessing through your ministry, yours in Christ's service, Pastor John A. Bowers, for the Council and Congregation of the Hope Reformed Church of Brampton. Uh, wonderful messages and words of encouragement from our brothers and sisters in the Lord throughout. Uh, is there any representatives from any of the churches that wish to bring greetings? Pastor Swell. Brother, on behalf of Manual United Reformed Church, we wish you congratulations on this very exciting day. And we're not only excited for you, Pastor Bryce, but also for you, Adoration, after some three years of vacancy without a pastor. We pray that the Lord would give you grace to receive Pastor Bryce as your shepherd, and that the Lord would knit the two of you together that you might be able to say with Paul and the church in Thessalonica that not only did you share together the gospel of God, but also your very selves. We pray that that would be the case, and we are excited to work alongside you together in Jordan and in Vineland. We pray that we'd be fruitful together for many years to come. We wish you the Lord's richest blessings on behalf of Emmanuel. Thank you for that, Pastor Swale. Is there anyone else? Yes, please come forward. I'm Pastor Steve Sweats from the Rehoboth United Reformed Church. It's good to be with you. To the congregation of Adoration United Reformed Church on the occasion of the ordination of Reverend Bryce Deswart. Greetings in the name of the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord that he has raised up a new pastor to shepherd the flock in Vineland. It is our prayer that the congregation may grow and flourish under the word and sacrament ministry of our brother, Reverend Deswart. Rehoboth URC is one with you in faith and devotion to the Lord. Your joy today, God has given you a pastor. He's prepared this pastor. You've been praying for this pastor for years. Your joy is our joy, and we will remember you in prayer. It is our prayer that God gives Reverend Deswart the grace and strength to preach the word in season and out of season. And may the adoration you are see be a light upon a hill. You have called and ordained an American. As a fellow American, I urge you to be patient with him. He's been in Canada for a while. He might not yet, however, know what a toque is. He might get confused when Thanksgiving is to be celebrated. He's not from a region that even has an NHL team. I think Toronto still has one. I'm not sure. I was looking at who won the Stanley Cup lately. I just didn't see them on there. But <clears throat> Receive this brother in the Lord. And may you as a congregation and our brother flourish together and growing together in devotion to the Lord. And so may God bless the adoration URC. Reverend Desward, as they begin this new chapter in their history. It is our prayer that a time of unity and love and a growing in grace for your congregation may take place. So stay the course and do not waver from the faith once for all delivered to the saints. With Christian love, 
on behalf of the Council and Congregation of Rehoboth URC. Thank you, Pastor Sweats. Anyone else? Reverend Winia. Congratulations to you and to the Adoration Congregation on your ordination and your arrival and the beginning of your ministry here. I think I'm just going to uh, read from Ephesians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul really echoes some of the things that Reverend Zechfeld said about uh, what the Queen of Sheba saw in Solomon and what she came to hear and to see. And the Apostle Paul, in the beginning of the part I'm going to read, uh, rejoices in the privilege that he had to be a minister of the gospel. And uh, he speaks about the great scope, the God's intent of uh, uh, how his wisdom, how to what extent his wisdom ought to be made known, even beyond uh, those who live on earth. So starting at chapter 3, verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the ministry of Christ, a mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The impact of the gospel that you are called to preach is to be not only church-wide and city-wide, but universe-wide. And we pray that the Lord will bless uh, the ministry that you bring and that indeed uh, his wisdom will be revealed to those who come to know the Adoration Congregation, to know you, and even the rulers and the spiritual authorities will take note. The Lord's blessing to you. Thank you, Reverend Winian. We certainly appreciate all the many times that you are so generously willing to uh, fill our pulpit during our times of vacancy, and it was very much appreciated, and thank you for that. Reverend Dykstra. Bryce and the Adoration URC, uh, the Wellimport Congregation thanks you for this occasion, for coming uh, to use our facility. It's been a while since we saw an ordination, and it may be a while before we see another one. Whenever we uh, ordain men to the ministry, there's a certain audacity that comes with it. As we've heard repeatedly, Reverend Sikama spoke of 
being a vessel of clay, of the treasure that is given in it. And uh, Reverend Zeckfeld spoke of that in his, his message as well, spoke about the, the frailty of men, even as Reverend uh, Zwale spoke of it as well. To think then that the Lord should choose such weak men and such frail vessels to proclaim the truth is indeed a remarkable thing, an audacious thing. But it is a wonderful thing, though it comes with the many challenges uh, of the work and of the calling, not only in the context of a congregation, but in the context of a hostile culture. I'm always struck by uh, the words of God to Paul when he converted him and sent Ananias to meet with him, and Ananias was hesitant. But the Lord said, I want you to go because this is the one I've chosen to send to the Gentiles, and you must tell him all that he must suffer for my name. And that's the beginning of Paul's ministry with a word of suffering. You think that might be a heavy thing to hear at the beginning of a ministry, but for Paul it wasn't. For Paul in Colossians 1 at verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which is so power or which so powerfully works in me. It is our prayer on your behalf that this would also be your word and your conviction, that you would gladly suffer for the cause of Christ and that you would be faithful in the discharge of the duties placed upon you now in the knowledge that you are provided for, that you are equipped for that work in Jesus Christ. As your brothers and sisters in this place, we are thankful for your place uh, in adoration and look forward to many years of service with you. Thank you, Reverend Dykstra, for those words. Is there anyone else? All right, seeing no other hands. Uh, thanks to all those who uh, brought greetings, and thanks to uh, everyone attending here this evening, as well as those that are uh, viewing this online. Uh, we certainly thank uh, Pastor Bryce of your family and others, uh, friends that, uh, due to the current circumstances, of course, are not able to be here. But imagine that for you, this is certainly not uh, how you anticipated that the Lord would uh, call you and that you would be ordained into the ministry. But it is perhaps, as we heard today, uh, a, a way of understanding how we are to suffer, perhaps to a degree, uh, in, as we serve our Lord. And we, we thank him for that, and we pray that the Lord will still uh, be with you. And for those that are able, uh, with technology, to still share in this evening, uh, greetings to all of you as well. I think that concludes our time uh, this evening. We do have some refreshments uh, that are available outside, so I want to encourage everybody to uh, avail themselves of those. Those are on the tables and so forth on the sidewalk outside, so please uh, make use of those and enjoy a time of fellowship in uh, dispersed uh, social circles. So with that, I think that concludes our time this evening. Thank you, everyone.